0: J. Michael here. Did you sing with Pastor Don in that last episode? Sweet songs in heavenly places. I can't wait. Well, today we get into what you have been chomping at the proverbial bit for, the action. Jesus opens one of the seals. After praise, worship, and songs around the throne, we move into the tribulation period. Let's join our teacher, Pastor Don, as he teaches a lesson called Horsemen on the Horizon.
1: Thank you, J. Michael. Here we are back again talking about Horsemen on the Horizon. This is a very, very interesting and quite honestly a bit uh, scary lesson uh, as we get into the tribulation period i'm going to read revelation 6 1 through 8 um, and uh, then i'll pray and we'll get into it and i saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and i heard as it were the noise of thunder one of the four beasts saying come and see and i saw and beheld a white horse and that that and that sat on him had a bow And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And the power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld a lower black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Father, thank you for this uh, scripture. Help me now to expound upon this uh, this great lesson. Father, open our hearts. Help us to really see what's, what's coming up and to reach our lost family and friends. If, and if there are any here listening to my voice today, that are not saved, that don't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. Lord, that this might cause them to consider uh, getting saved, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Revelation chapter 6 is a bit of a shock to the senses. In the past two chapters, we have been allowed to witness scenes of heavenly worship. In this passage, we are going to see images of divine wrath we have been a place where there is praise and shouting we are about to examine a scene filled with pain and suffering in chapters 4 and 5 we have been seated in heavenly places observing scenes of joy in chapter 6 we are brought down to earthly places to observe scenes of judgment beginning in chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19 we are placed in the middle of the tribulation period or the time known as the Great Tribulation, this period of seven years is broken down into two parts, with each with each portion lasting three and a half years. This period of time is clearly described in the Word of God. Jeremiah thirty verse seven says, "Alas for that great day! I'm sorry. Alas for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it." And then Daniel 12, verse 1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Matthew 24, 21-22 for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. So in this passage in our in our scripture we see the seven seals on the book of the, in the hand of the Lord Jesus begin to be broken one by one. As the seals are opened, a series of divine judgment is poured out upon the earth and those who dwell on the earth. The four seals that we will consider in this message describe events that will take place during the first three-and-a-half-year portion of the tribulation. We are about to witness a time of destruction, devastation, and death that can hardly be comprehended by our mortal minds. These verses describe events that will take place on the earth after the church has been removed in the rapture. The world we are about to see is a world that has no gospel witness. There are no Christians, no gospel singing, preaching, no peace. This is a world that is in rebellion against its maker and it is a world that stands on the brink of terrifying judgments. We are told in verse 1 that when the Lamb opens the first seal, there was a noise of thunder in heaven. Just as thunder signals the approaching of a storm, this heavenly thunder indicates that a storm is about to be unleashed upon this world and that it is almost beyond description. So let's examine these verses together. And I'm going to try to preach about the horsemen on the horizon. Let's study some of what a lost world will face during this tribulation period and let me say a note if you're here and you don't know jesus christ as your personal savior let me just say as you listen to my voice i want you to consider what you will be going through if you don't receive christ as your personal savior before these events happen moving on We see in verse 2 the white horse of deception. There are some who read this and say the rider is Jesus himself. They cite the similarities between these verses and those in Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16, which we'll get to some weeks from here. While there are some similarities, there are many, many more differences. The man on this horse is not Jesus Christ. He is the Antichrist. And let me explain why this man cannot be Jesus. It is Jesus who is breaking the seals. In Revelation 6 verse 1, how can Jesus be in heaven opening the seals and riding this white horse at the same time? This rider wears a crown. Jesus wears many crowns. This rider wears a Stephanos, which means a victor's crown. His crown is a prize. Jesus wears many diadems. The many crowns of the king of kings and lord of lords the writer in these verses has a crown given unto him this man was appointed a king by men this writer is given a crown that he has earned jesus wears his crowns not because he has earned them but because of who he is he is the king of kings by birthright jesus is not given a crown jesus Gives crowns, as we learned in Revelation chapter 2. This rider carries a bow. Jesus carries a sword. The similarities between this rider and the Lord Jesus indicate that this man is the Antichrist. We're going to learn more about him as our study progresses. For now, it is important to note that he is not, Jesus is not, I'm sorry, the devil, the Antichrist, is not Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got my uh, tongue twisted there. Anyway, now we know who this man is not. Now let's see if we can find out who he is. It says he is a man of peace. You will notice that this writer has a bow in his hand, but he has no arrows. This implies that he will conquer the world without bloodshed. He will accomplish this by providing the answer to the problems faced. By the world today. Let me just say this. Are there a few problems in the world today? Do we need somebody to step in and solve these problems? <laughs> oh, this man. Anyway, he comes on a white horse bringing a promise of peace to this world. When the Antichrist comes, he will come with the solution for the world's problems. And there'll be many, many people today that will be looking for a man with the solutions to the world's problems. He will come with an explanation concerning the disappearance of all Christians. Remember, this is after the rapture of the church. He will come with a plan to bring peace to this world. When he comes, the world will fall at his feet and honor him as their ruler. He comes as a savior to a world desperate to be saved. Our world is in a state of turmoil. If you don't believe that, pick up a newspaper, listen to some radio, watch some TV. We are in a world of turmoil, and things are only going to get worse. Historian Arnold Toynbee said, we are ripe for someone who can promise to give peace and to give tranquility to the earth. We will deify that individual if he comes. Well, he is coming and the world is going to love him at first. (laughs) The problems that face our world today. Wow! Most of the turmoil centers on the nation of Israel. Iran, the Palestinians, and the rest of the Arab world desires to wipe Israel from the face of the earth. When the Antichrist comes, he will have the solution to the problem and he will establish a peace plan. That will satisfy the world. He is a man of power. We are told that he went forth conquering and to conquer. We are also told that a crown was given to him. By whatever means he uses, the Antichrist will be given the key to the world. The leaders of the nations of earth will bow at this man's feet and grant him the right to rule over the entire world. They have denied this right to the king of kings. They have denied it to the savior of men. They have denied it to the son of God, but they will grant that privilege to this child of hell. He is a man of pretense. The problem with the antichrist is that he is not a man he appears to be. He portrays himself to be one person when he is in fact another person altogether. He comes riding a white horse The world is programmed to trust the man on a white horse. He's a good guy. He comes portraying himself as a man of peace. He will appear on the world stage promising peace, safety, and prosperity. But he will be the most evil, dictatorial ruler the world has ever seen. Everything he is and everything he says will be a study in lies and falsehoods. Now, some would argue that the leaders of this world are too smart to fall for a deception like this. I I have to laugh. If you watch the news, you're going to figure out that it is not always the best and brightest who will rule our nation. I won't get into the politics, but uh, let me tell you, you kind of know what I'm thinking here. And so we add to that the lessons from history, and you will see that this world is ripe for a satanic deception. Just look at what Hitler did prior to World War II. Hitler had outlined in detail his plans for conquest in his book Mein Kampf, which was published more than a decade before World War II began. Yet, the Western allies in all of their wisdom persisted in believing Hitler's false claims to be a man of peace. They stood idly by as he reoccupied the Rhineland, which was demilitarized after World War I thus abrogating the Versailles Treaty, then he annexed Austria and the Sudetenland and Czechoslovakia. British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, oh, what a smart guy he was, met with Hitler in Munich in 1938. When he came back to England, he triumphantly waved a piece of paper that contained a pledge of peace from Adolf Hitler, which he claimed guaranteed peace. Winston Churchill rose in the House of Commons to declare that England had suffered a total unmitigated defeat and he was shouted down by angry members of Parliament. The deception was nearly universal. Only after Hitler invaded Poland in 1939 did the Allies acknowledge the truth. By then it was too late. The Antichrist will be the same and do the same only on a worldwide scale. This world, my friends, is ripe for such a person to step into center stage. And so we looked at the white horse of deception. Let's look at the red horse of destruction. The second horse and rider appears. This horse is red. Red is the color of fire and blood. Fire has the power to devour and destroy. And when the fires of this war are unleashed upon this earth, there will be bloodshed on an unprecedented level. This seal unleashes a time of war such as the world has never known. The peace is broken. The peace instituted by the Antichrist seems to be pretty short-lived. War breaks out all over the world. Of course, this is what Jesus said What happened during the Tribulation. Matthew 24, 6 and 7 says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye not be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. He also warns men about putting too much stock in the cries of peace that are bantered about by the politicians and rulers of this world. First Thessalonians 5.3 For when they shall say peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction come upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Can you imagine a world that knows no peace? I mean, no peace at all? In every corner of the globe, violence and war is going to rage. That is the world that every lost sinner will face during the tribulation, and I'm going to say it again, and it again, and it again. If you don't know Christ as Savior, these are the events that you are going to go through. And if you're a child of God, you need to warn your family and friends that these are the events that they're going to go through. Encourage them to listen to these lessons. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I really don't. And these lessons are provided not just for enlightenment and encouragement, For our born-again family of God listeners, but it's a message of warning, and we want to warn the lost. Oh, man. Anyway, moving along. We see the planet is brutalized. This writer was given a great sword. The word great refers to the extent of the warfare. It will be worldwide in its scope. The word sword refers to the short swords carried by the Roman soldiers. These swords were used in hand-to-hand combat and were quite effective in putting the enemy to death. When Antichrist first steps onto the world stage, he will be hailed as a great man of peace. But after he is given the reins of power, he displays his true colors. After men allow him a place of prominence and power, he will demand absolute power. When this happens, many of the powerful countries of this world will rebel, and the world will experience war on a scale that it has never before witnessed. During World War II, some 50 million people died worldwide. That number will fall far, far, far short of the millions and millions, even billions who will die during the wars that will rage during this period of time. It is during this period that Russia and her allies will invite Israel in fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Their armies will be defeated by divine intervention and Israel will burn the weapons of warfare for seven years. You can read that in Ezekiel 39 verses 9 and 10. The conflicts will not end here. However, the wars spawned by Antichrist will rage on, one after the other. Until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, returns in power and glory. Imagine a world, a world consumed by war. Nations will fight against nations. Race wars, class wars, and religious wars will abound. That's already started today. The groundwork has been laid. Peace will be elusive for everyone everywhere. The world is ripe for war today. Add to that the fact that there will be no mothers, no fathers, and no churches praying for the soldiers in the wars. There will be no preachers taking the gospel to men dying in foxholes. This will be a time of war fought without God, without Jesus, and without hope. Every soldier killed in every conflict in that shattered world will leave a world in tribulation to spend eternity in a place called hell. The White Horse of Deception the red horse of destruction. Let's look at the black horse of destitution. The third seal is broken, and another rider makes his appearance. This horse is black. Black is a color associated with famine. Lamentations 5, 10 says our skin was black, like an oven because of the terrible famine. Famine always follows in the aftermath of war. Thus, worldwide wars will spawn worldwide famines. Jesus spoke of this in Matthew 24, 7. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. This will be a time marked by shortages. The rider on this horse has in his hands a set of scales. This indicates that the tribulation period will be marked by severe shortages in the necessities of life. Apparently, the famines will be so severe that food and other basic necessities will have to be rationed and we know nothing about that in our day. We can go to a grocery store or to a restaurant and buy all the food we can eat and then some. Our cabinets, our refrigerators, and our freezers are filled to capacity. We know nothing about having to do without or having to make do with just a little, but that day is coming. Some may remember or heard of rationing during World War II. When the war began, the military's demand for certain goods increased dramatically and there were shortages. Ration books were handed out, and people used the coupons in those books to obtain the things they needed. Things that we take for granted, like sugar, coffee, butter, meat, cheese, and canned goods and shoes, gasoline, and other things, were carefully rationed. During the height of the war, sugar was limited to 12 ounces per week. Gas was limited to 3 gallons per ration period. Coffee was rationed at 1 pound for a 5-year week. Can you imagine coffee rationed at 1 pound for a 5-week period? I drink one pound of coffee in two days. I can't imagine that. But my parents told me about this rationing. It was not fun. Those must have been difficult times to live through, but the shortages of World War II will pale in comparison to the deprivation suffered by those left to endure the Tribulation. Then we'll see a time marked by starvation. Verse 6 tells us something of a problem that will exist during that time. A biblical measure would be enough food to feed a grown working man for one day. A penny refers to the denarius, which was a day's wages. Wheat is the food from which bread is made. Barley was used primarily to feed livestock, and at times it was consumed by the very poor. Here's the image. A man will work all day just to be able to buy enough food to feed him, or He can work all day just to buy enough food fit for an animal to feed three people think about what this means people will have to make some hard choices people who cannot get out there and work for themselves will be left to starve to death so that the workers can eat it will be a terrible time marked by terrible starvation none of us has ever 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 experienced conditions such as these and i thank god for that by the way but Many in our world will know the horror of starvation all too well. Consider the following statistics. Every 3.6 seconds, someone dies of starvation. Every year, 15 million children die of starvation and of hunger-related illness. Four million people starve to death every year. 1.3 billion live on less than $1 of income per day. Another $3 have to try and survive on less than $3 per day. As horrible as those figures are, they will be dwarfed by the starvation problem this world will face in the tribulation. We're going to see a time marked by separation. The phrase, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. This may indicate that luxury items will not be affected by the famines. Oil and wine have always been the items of the wealthy. Oil is used in the manufacture of cosmetics and alcohol has always been associated with the high life. In other words, while most of the world is plunged into poverty and starvation, the rich will continue to get richer and enjoy the extravagant lifestyles they enjoy now. This great divide already exists. In fact, those of us in this room listening here live the life of the lap of luxury compared to most people around the world. Considering the following, consider the following facts. The average American puts enough food in the trash can each day to feed a family of six in India. Did you hear my voice? We Americans put enough food in the garbage that will feed a family of six. In India. I guess that makes sense when mom used to tell me, Donnie, clean up your plate. There's people starving around the world. I guess that made sense. For the price of one missile, one missile, a school full of hungry children could eat lunch every day for five years. One missile. Throughout the 1990s, more than 100 million died from illness and starvation. In those those 100 million deaths could have been prevented for the price of 10 stealth bombers or what the world spends on its military in two days to satisfy the world's sanitation and food requirements would cost only 13 billion u.s dollars this is what the people of the united states and european union spend on perfume each year the assets of the world's three richest men are more than the combined gross national product of, a, of all the least developed countries on the planet. Did you hear what I said? Three men have more money than all of the least developed countries on the planet. And that's in the hundreds. Uh, the division between the haves and the have-nots is vast today. But... It's only going to grow wider during the tribulation period. So the white horse of deception, the red horse of destruction, the black horse of destitution, and then we see the pale horse of devastation. The fourth horse is said to be pale in color. The word pale comes from the Greek word that gives us the English words chlorophyll and chlorine. The word means pale green. It refers to the sickly yellow-green pallor of a corpse have you ever seen a corpse? Probably all have gone to a funeral. I know they've been made up, but I've seen a corpse without the makeup. It is pale green. The events that take place in the wake of this horse and rider are also the things that inevitably follow a time of war. However, these events seem to take place independently from those which come before. We are told that the rider of this pale horse is death. We are also told that hell follows behind him. The word death speaks of the death of a body. The word hell reminds us that there are horrible places waiting to receive the souls of lost men when they are taken by death. We see the breadth of this devastation. We are told that death will claim one quarter of the world's population. You know there's almost 8 billion people on the planet? One quarter of that 8 billion. If the Lord would to have returned today, one, one quarter of that 8 billion will die during this time. That is one out of every four people living during those days. If you take today's population, as I was saying, of about 8 billion people, you're talking about the death of 2 billion people in the very short period of time. 2 billion with a B. The brutality of this devastation, the methods death will use to claim this great number of people are listed in this verse. The four methods are the sword. This refers to warfare. During this period of time, it is almost certain that wars will be both conventional as well as nuclear in nature. Someone will use a nuclear weapon in warfare someday. It's just bound to happen. There can be little doubt that some countries will use biological and chemical warfare weapons as well. The numbers that will die in these wars will be astronomical, then there will be famine. We have already talked about the problem of starvation that will become worldwide in its scope during the tribulation. Many periods, many millions will meet their deaths through famine. Then we see death. This refers to deaths apart from warfare and famine. Matthew 24 7, Jesus says, For nations shall rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. The word pestilences is what I think this word death is referring to. Pestilence brings to mind diseases that will run rampant through the human race during this period of time. We see diseases today. COVID, COVID-19. This has in the past leave, will leave, has left millions dead in their wake. And this is already in motion. As we know, COVID-19, masking, uh, distancing, and all these things, it's already Happening my friends. That's prophetical. It's already happened. People need to wake up We may think something like that can't happen, but you know what look out the window. It's happening people wearing masks riding bikes walking outside Oh, man, it's it's just crazy right now again, I don't want to get into the politics of all this but oh Think back to the Spanish influenza outbreak during World War one 25 million people died with the flu in a world overnight. There was no intercontinental air travel. Three times more people died of the flu during World War I than actually died in the fighting. An outbreak of that sort in our world has the potential to kill hundreds of millions of people in just a few short weeks. An outbreak like that would shut down society as we know it and would bring many more to a place in starvation. Then it said beasts. Animal attacks will account for many deaths. The The word beasts can refer to small animals or as rodents. The Bible does not say specifically, but it could be referring to rats with this phrase. Consider this information concerning rats. With all the warfare, the death, and the carnage, the rat population of this world will explode exponentially. One breeding pair of rats can produce five litters between eight and nine offsprings every year. If 95% of the rat population in a given year is destroyed, they can replenish their numbers within one year. Rats are a nasty animal. i ran into a lot of rats in my time. They carry some 35 known diseases. They were responsible for killing one-third of the population of Europe during the Middle Ages as the buponic, the buponic plague raged. Rats carry typhus, which has killed nearly 200 million people during one 400-year period. Rats destroy some $1 billion in food in the United States each year. Well, that's a lot. You know, when I read these things, I'm struck by two thoughts. First, I praise the Lord that I am saved by His grace. I don't have to worry about these things. Don't listen to people that say that we as Christians are going through the tribulation. That's nonsense. I can prove that over and over and over again in God's Word. Just something as simple as Noah's Ark, a picture of the rapture. My friends, if you're a born-again Christian today, don't worry about going through these things. Pray, pray, pray for your lost loved ones and family and friends and neighbors. Pray for them. But we will not go through these events. And we should praise God for that. None of us knows how bad things will get before the Lord Jesus will come again, but it's going to be bad. We are already seeing the beginnings of some of these things in our world. I praise the Lord that I'm leaving here before the bottom falls out. Second, I grieve for those who don't know the Lord. I've got family and I've got friends and acquaintances, people who come in and out of buildings, stores and restaurants. They're lost and lost neighbors and people we meet every day who do not know Jesus. All of these things, all of these people will be left behind to face these things. All they have to look forward to is a life of pain and misery here in an eternity in hell. That breaks my heart, and it should motivate us to get out and win the loss to Jesus. We, this should motivate us, and we should get out. Go soul winning. We go out every Saturday, and we knock on doors, and we try to tell people about these things. Yes, the majority reject it, but that's on them. I want them to know what's going to come up. Here's the invitation. If you're not saved, please come to Jesus and look to Him for your salvation. If you are out of His will, please come back to Him so that He can use your life, as a light for his glory. If you have people on your hearts that need to be saved, bring them to Jesus and pray for their souls. If you listen very carefully, you can hear the sounds of the approaching hoofbeats. The time I have tried to describe is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? We have so much more to come. So much more to come. A lesson like this exhausts me because I know based on the Word of God, which I believe 100%, these things are coming. So until the next lesson comes up, we're going to look at two worlds in prayer. Two worlds in prayer. We need to be praying, my friends, and we're going to talk about that next time. Until then, keep looking up and listening with a shout.
0: My friends, you do not want to be on this earth when this horror starts. Forget not, these are real events happening in real time. Are you saved today? Are you trusting in a little ditty of a prayer you said when you were a child? Are you truly born again? Don't hope you are saved. Make sure today. In our next episode, we will catch our breath and learn of Two Worlds in Prayer. Until then, keep looking up and listening for the shout.